Hi everyone, I'm Jeffrey Hayes, host of ASRM Today, and today's episode is a rebroadcast of one of our popular episodes from this past year. Now don't worry, we'll be back with new episodes soon. So until then, please enjoy this rebroadcast. The information and opinions expressed in this podcast do not necessarily reflect those of ASRM and its affiliates. These podcasts are provided as a source of general information and are not a substitute for consultation with a physician. One of the biggest challenges that PGT has presented, I think, to the field of IVF is this phenomenon of mosaic results. These results that are neither clearly normal nor clearly abnormal, but somewhere in between. Mosaicism is a very challenging topic, and there are many unknowns that clinicians are dealing with. Today, I speak with Emily Mounts, who's the Director of Genomic Services and a Genetic Counselor with ORM Fertility in Oregon about the recent ASRM Committee opinion on clinical management of mosaic results from pre-implantation genetic testing for aneuploidy, or PGTA, of blastocysts. I am Jeffrey Hayes, and this is ASRM Today. Welcome to ASRM Today, a podcast that takes a deeper dive into the current topics in reproductive medicine. What was the need to standardize the interpretation of mosaic results from PGTA? Well, that's a great question, and that's really um, what brought forth the idea and sort of evolution of this document was the need to to wrap our arms around this a little bit better in clinical practice. So, you know, pre-implantation genetic testing can be a very powerful tool for giving us information about the chromosomal health and the reproductive potential of embryos. But one of the biggest challenges that PGT has presented, I think, to the field of IVF is this phenomenon of mosaic results, these results that are neither clearly normal nor clearly abnormal, but somewhere in between. And as most individuals know, these results have dramatically increased in frequency um, with changes in biopsy technique and evolving genetic technologies, namely next generation sequencing. So what we've found as these results have made their way into clinical practice more routinely in recent years is really wide variation in how practitioners are using those results and in counseling their patients around them. So you know, a number of genetic counselors who work in the field of, of fertility genetics have been increasingly approached by practitioners and others in the field to, uh, to be asked for, for help in interpreting these results and in understanding how they can best explain them to their patients and how they can use them in their practice every day. So then was there a push when putting this document together, thinking about the patients? Very much so, yes. I think that was really a, a big part of the motivation behind it was, um, you know, there's a feeling that a, a mosaic result could be received by different patients at different clinics and, and that patient could be given essentially different information about that, what, what it means, what the possible explanations are for that mosaic result, what to do with it, whether it's appropriate to transfer that embryo. And so the document was really an effort to try to, to bring all that together and say, okay, there's a lot we don't know here, but let's try to get on paper what we do know. What are the things that we are on the same page about? Where are the holes? Where are the things that the gaps in our knowledge that we, we hope we'll be able to fill in in the next several years that will help the patients understand this, um, but really to try to bring us all together a little bit more closely on this challenging topic. From a cross-disciplinary standard, 
who else do you believe would be using this document outside of the fertility field? So, I mean, first, I think within the fertility field, there's a, a very wide audience for this. Um, you know, certainly we have uh, physicians in mind when we write this because they're often the ones that are on the front lines explaining these results to patients. But really, mosaic results can infiltrate just about every aspect of IVF care from the embryologist to the nursing staff, even the billing staff, practice managers, certainly mental health and legal professionals, um, and of course, genetic counselors, but even, of course, on the laboratory side as well, PGT scientists and technicians. But we also, to your point, know that there are many providers who work largely outside of ART who are counseling patients and understanding and in making decisions about mosaic result embryos. So for example, there are many prenatal genetic counselors who, who work with an IVF, IVF clinics who may have a relationship there who don't necessarily specialize in fertility genetics. They certainly have the tools and the background to counsel these patients well, but we have to be very careful in making assumptions about a mosaic result based on data that comes out of the prenatal and pediatric literature because a mosaic result on an embryo is not the same thing as a mosaic result in a, in a pregnancy or on a baby. And so we really wanted to empower other genetics professionals to be able to participate in this counseling, but to give them the tools that they need to do that. Would you say then that that was sort of one of the big challenges with putting this document together? Definitely. It's, it's a huge challenge because we, we feel the need to recognize that there is literature out there that relates to what mosaicism means in other disciplines. So in, in the perinatal field, in the pediatric field, there is a lot of information and there's a certain meaning to the word mosaicism in those fields. And we really don't yet know how well a mosaic result in an embryo truly relates to what we know from the data from those fields. So in the document, we outlined some of these issues and we, we outlined the data that is there for these other fields and, and said, you know, we don't yet know how to, to mesh these things together. For lack of any other data, we felt the need to mention it and to say that it is appropriate to counsel patients on some of this data but only time will tell and only more studies will be able to help us really sort that out. Emily, I, I wanna ask you then, let's get a little bit more into the, the document. What is the role then of a genetic counselor in interpreting the mosaic results? So the role of a genetic counselor in interpreting the mosaic results, I think is, is really to, to explain what are all of the possible ways that this mosaic result came to be, how did, it, how did the laboratory arrive at this conclusion that this is the result of this embryo? And then what are the possible outcomes that could be associated with it if it were transferred? So first in understanding how we arrive at a mosaic result, I find this is one of the, the most confusing things for people who are trying to understand because mosaicism itself is confusing enough, right? We're already saying, maybe it's normal, maybe it's abnormal, maybe it's somewhere in between if we're seeing this in, in a trophectoderm biopsy, which is the future placenta of the embryo, then we, we already up front have to acknowledge that if, if that's truly there, if that mosaicism is truly there in the biopsy, we can't know whether it's also truly in the cells that are gonna go on to create the fetus. So that counseling itself is, is challenging. But then on top of that, you have to layer the fact that 
a mosaic result can be generated by other factors that are not even true mosaicism. So there are things like um, amplification bias in the DNA, you know, technical artifact and noise in samples, and other things that can generate a result that, that we call mosaic, um, but really the technical term for that would be intermediate copy number. So it's just saying, you know, it's somewhere in between normal and abnormal. The, the term mosaic was adopted early on because it was one potential explanation for how you would get a result like that. And it sort of took off, which is a little bit unfortunate because now, because that word has a true meaning in genetics and it means, you know, being able to see normal and abnormal cells in that combination. So that's one of the challenges that we have is getting people to wrap their head around the limitations of the word mosaic as it's being used currently. And then the other thing is, what does this mean then for the embryo? So of course, what patients want to know is, is it safe to transfer this embryo? What's going to happen? What is the worst case scenario? And that's where I think genetic counseling can really um, help patients to process all of the different data that is currently available, um, the, the huge limitations to that data, what is the best case scenario, what is the worst case scenario, and then as we send them off, hopefully, into pregnancy, what are some of the things to think about there in terms of follow-up prenatal screening and testing that might be helpful? Because we have to remember, in pregnancy, mosaicism has a certain connotation, and it's, it's not necessarily a normal thing to see in pregnancy. So we recognize that even if we have a reassuring slant to our counseling with regard to a mosaic result, when that patient meets their prenatal providers and as the pregnancy goes on, they are probably going to be met with a little bit of um, you know, some questions around why was that embryo transferred, what are the risks, and is there some additional monitoring and screening that could be indicated? So those are a number of key points that you're, you're uh, uh, pointing out uh, here from the document. And my question then is that, and, and this of course centers also around uh, how best patients will be served by providers, by professionals. Are there any additional resources for patients in the future? Well, I see this document as sort of a springboard for hopefully being able to create some additional patient resources. We haven't done that yet, um, but part of the um, evolution of this document, um, sort of as this document was being developed, what was happening in the genetic counseling community and fertility was that our special interest group was also evolving simultaneously into a professional group. And so with that, we have additional resources from ASRM. We're creating a website that will be able to put patient-oriented um, educational resources and handouts there. So um, we would very much like to make a version of this that's you know, available for patients. We know patients are desperate for information about mosaic results. We know that they're creating Facebook groups and connecting with one another um, in an effort to try to understand and get to the bottom of what these results could possibly mean. So I definitely see a role for ASM being able to support that. This is a very fast moving field. And a big question then will be based on this document and even on future documents, how soon Will this particular document already be considered obsolete? <laughs> um, that question is uh, is is one that I, I hesitate to answer because it's <laughs> it it probably is already obsolete. To be honest with you, it's um, this document took quite a while to to put together and to get published. And yeah, to your point, I mean everything is moving so quickly that 
it is um, difficult to incorporate all of the literature that is, you know, continuously being published, um, presented at conferences, et cetera. So um, I think it's, it's a great place to start, um, but I do see a need to revisit it quite frequently, um, you know, especially because what we've tried to do in the article is to have um, an overview of all of the key studies that have been done on mosaic embryo transfer, and there have been some published even, even since this has been released. So, um, so that's you know true of most things, of course, in reproductive medicine, and, and genetics is no exception. But I'm excited about having a place to start with this and a, a set of key points that we can agree on. I don't think the key points will change much. I think the concepts of the importance of clinics having a policy in place, for example, around mosaic embryo transfer, the importance of pre-test counseling and post-test pre-transfer counseling. Those are things that are never going to change. I think the nuances of, for example, um, the ability to rank embryos for mosaic embryo transfer on the basis of different factors like the percent mosaicism or the chromosome that's involved. I think those are things that we'll continuously be able to get more and more data on. So we'll be tweaking these recommendations, but the big picture in terms of, you know, counseling patients, pre and post test, having a policy in place, the importance of discussing prenatal screening with patients up front. I think those are all things that will always be a part of appropriate pre-implantation genetic testing and counseling. Well, Emily, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking with you today. And thank you so much for being able to take time out to, to be with us. Thank you so much. I appreciate the opportunity. That was Emily Mounts, who's the Director of Genomic Services and a Genetic Counselor with ORM Fertility in Oregon. Until next time, I am Jeffrey Hayes, and this is ASRM Today. This concludes this episode of ASRM Today. For show notes, other information, and discussions, go to asrmtoday.org.